hold on to this podcast until you have seen the sound of drums this way. Nothing is spoiled for you because, um, you know, it's just more enjoyable with the surprises intact, though Teras and Ken might disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what did everyone else think? I, I, I really, um, I, I'll just come out and say that I, I, I was really thrilled with this episode. I really enjoyed it. I didn't have too much expectations except for what I saw in the coming attractions, you know, coming next trailer, and that really didn't give away too much. And um, but I want to make sure to hear what everyone else thinks. So um, starting with the roll call, as I went off before, though I don't remember the exact order. I know I started with Ken, so I'll hand it off to Ken. Well, uh, I'm, I tried to keep in mind through the entire story that, that this was part two of three and that it's the middle chapter of a, of a trilogy. Ah, uh, hence the Empire Strikes Back reference you mentioned earlier before uh, we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, where, you know, you put the characters in some really dire situations, and that's, that's definitely what happened and probably one of the most thrilling cliffhangers in Doctor Who history. Uh, and I've said that a few times with the new series, and that's because um, every time Russell T. Davies and company have had an opportunity to have a cliffhanger. They've really, um, they've amped it up. They've, they've brought it up a notch. Uh, and this episode was, was no exception. I mean, it, you, you put well, every single character in a situation where you're dying to know what happens to them next week. Now, speaking of cliffhangers, did, everyone fe- did anyone feel a little shortchanged about the opening of this episode as far as last week's cliffhanger? It, it sort of, um, you know, Tied it up and did a, um, a Samutra type of. <laughs> well, they, I mean, we we got speculated last week exactly what was going to happen and exactly what was going to happen happened, which was they 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 opened it up with the whole you know uh, other time travel device, and rather than waste time on getting how the doctor yeah. was going to get back, they just went ahead and did it. I, I didn't have a problem with it. I know some people had, you know, um, from what I gathered, you know, glistening over the forums that some people, you know, felt a little um, cheated with that. But, you know, I, I think you had to move the story along and, you know, let's let's move it along. And, and I think in, the pacing in this episode is incredible. And in Tom Baker's first season, they spent the entire season traveling using a time ring instead of a TARDIS. So, um, I, to me, it's, it's been established that this is... This has yeah. happened before. It's not. It's not mm-hmm. like. Well, they've never done this before. You know. Yeah, I, I mentioned that last week about the time ring, and, and you, you know, sort of a. It's a sort of a ring, a bracelet, if you will. Well, I mean, there's a there's so many nods to to uh, past Doctor Who in this episode. You could you could probably spend an entire thread on the forums just uh, you know sifting through the nods between the. The line that you used, uh, you know, for Legopolis to the Jelly Babies, and on and on and on. Leisure Hive. I mean, yeah. isn't it fabulous? <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, and it's and it's great fun I, because for people who are uninitiated, they just think that this is more, you know, fun storytelling. And for those like us who have been around a long time and watched the show for a long time, it's these little nuggets that get us excited. And. And, and speaking of nuggets, uh, the, the flashback to Gallifrey with the traditional uh, Gallifreyan costumes. Well, the, the, not only the costume, but the, the torches were right out of the Five Doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the seal of Rathlon and, and, and all the things they've done. And the, the idea of showing the Citadel uh, the way they couldn't because of the limitations oh, that yeah. back, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, was great fun. Uh, and, and, but and I appreciate that they did, you know, maintain the costumes, you know, because that was, you know, 
in the TV movie, it was maintained, and mm-hmm. you know they could have went a completely different direction. You know, as we know with with Doctor Who today, sometimes it reinvents its, the past, and I'm just glad that they chose to keep that in line with what was already established. The the Gallif- the Gallifreyan um, the Time Lord you know garb their dress. Uh, this is a testament to the designers back in the 70s that it it was so well done and so iconic that there wasn't a need to change it, that it still works. It still, uh, when you look at it in 2007, you're not like, my God, that's from the 70s. It still has, um, it's still potent. It still works in today's science fiction and in in today's continuity. So why change it? Why why reinvent the wheel if it's that strong? And that's a a testament to to the the crew back in the 70s. Absolutely. On the BBC website, there's a fact file for this episode, and within that, it, it um, makes point of saying that the master's, the, the the young child master, you know, the master as a child in that flashback scene is actually wearing something similar to what we first saw when we first saw the Time Lords in the War Games in that in that yes. um, in that um, style off. of dress. Yeah, the, the the long the long robe kind of vibe with yeah. the squared off top and. Um, yeah, nice, nice touches. Um, but I think <laughs> Mini Master, Rassilon on our view, chat forums just said Mini Master. That's cute. <laughs> I, I think from a story point of view, I think at, at some point in one of the reviews, and I'm going to I'm going to make a, a prediction that perhaps Star Skeptical may take the story to task, because I know he's he's um, always one to to analyze the the, the story, and this, there are some things that until we view the entire three episode trilogy. It's going to be tough to um, to really review it as a story because it really is an entire 45 minutes of getting things set up for the, the finale. So if yes. you just if you just turned on the television for the first time and you put this episode on, you would have no clue what was going on, and there would be nothing from in the beginning to really lock you in on. Okay, this guy's a well, he just shows up. I- yeah. I, I think it would still grab you, though. I, I don't know. I, I, even if you didn't know what preceded it, I, I think the, the the pacing and and I don't know. I could be wrong, but since I already know what preceded it, I I, I think it still grab you, though. And I would... think the most underestimated thing in this story, and I'm hoping that this is going to be something that we're going to see in the next episode, is this whole master's wife thing. It's either going to be completely nothing. Or it could be the plot twist, like there's something going on, there's something else there. Or, or it could just be that she gets knocked off or something, you know, like it's just the scenery. Um, I, I, the way I see it, and, and I know we haven't gotten to the others yet, and I know everyone's going to want to have their input on it as, as well, but the way I saw it was that the, the wife is one of these um, aliens, these, uh, I forgot the name, the, the little round globey things in human form because she was um you know once when um that daily mirror the sunday mirror reporter came in and left and was killed at the door when they're standing at the doorway there and, and he's opening the door and you hearing the screaming and then he closes it and it's quiet again it's a good thing those doors are soundproof otherwise you lose that effect but anyway um you know she says i thought archangel was going to prevent this and all that and he goes he re- confirms to her don't worry it, it, it's eight o'clock tomorrow it's all gonna you well, know work out she, she mentioned her father and that yes you know, that's, that's uh, but i wasn't sure if that was 
just say, you know, she was just gabbing with the the reporter to stall her or whatever. I don't know, you know, if he was if she was, if that was real a reality or if she was playing a character for the benefit of the reporter. Or if she's just totally out of it. I mean, she seems like she's totally mesmerized. Yeah, to me. She's not particularly bright, but essentially harmless. They, they, uh, <laughs> is it quote from the episode? Or is it exactly um, like a um, like a subtle jab at at the current first lady of the United States? Uh, you know that they they kind of make her just like sort of there, and she does her role, but she isn't particularly outspoken or anything like that. Um, you know, ornamental. I, I like that they changed the United States president up a little bit in in, in this first series that you know, well, you know, if the aliens come we'll start a war and some stuff like that. This time around they the the, the president, you know, is given a slightly different role. They don't really beat up on Bush too bad with so Well this begs the question about the timeline. Are 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 they in two thousand and seven on Earth or or is this like taking place somewhere like like we knew with when Rose was a companion, pretty much the timeline because there was some references made to the years and um, and whatnot. But here, this could be taking place maybe a few years in the future. You know, uh, he and if I'm not mistaken, didn't he announce himself? It, it seemed a little confusing. I have to watch it again uh, because they referred to him as President Winters, but when he made their uh, their address when he was on the Valiant, he, didn't he say President Elect? He did. Yeah, he very, did. He did. Very weird. And uh, I, I kind of believe that um, it was, it was kind of a, a goof, if you will. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, somewhere in the BBC research department they should have, you know, uh, scoured the books and, and looked exactly what the proper title should be. But um, uh, perhaps maybe he was saying president-elect. In other words, he was elected to represent the people of Earth. And and, and and that probably could have been the case as well. But what really surprises me, and I, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, no, it's, okay. it's, good, it's, it's good to know that we finally see an American president with common sense. Well, <laughs> it's refreshing to see, yes. <laughs> or portrayed as having such. Yeah, it, it's sort of like a, a, sort of a role reversal here where the prime minister, prime minister is coming off as a buffoon, even though he's not. <laughs> and um, and the American president is coming off as um, someone that's, not, that, that's a bit more knowledgeable. Well, the- I got to say this, though. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt. Where, where John Sims' character, his portrayal of the master is concerned, what, whenever I see this, I see the Joker in Batman. And maybe it's not intended. Maybe it had something to do with, uh, someone had suggested uh, at the end of Utopia last week that uh, there was just a problem that he had with his regeneration. Maybe it was a, uh, just a post-regenerative mental uh, something or another. But, but seeing this right now, it fits the part quite well. He, he, you see him as, as vulnerable yet strong. I mean, he, he, I, I, that's what I've always appreciated about, uh, about the bad guys. You could be a bad guy. You could be totally evil. Uh, but, but at the same time, you have to inject some sort of humor into it, even if the humor is very, very dark and you might not like it. Still, there, there is a semblance of humanity, even, even where the evil character is, is, is addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, well, I think he's just gone more and more over the edge, the master. And, you know, he's always been a bit maniacal, and now it's just really just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> He's just completely, um, you know, warped now. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. a lot of people have been taking John Sims to task about his portrayal of the master, but he's interpreting it his way, and why should it always be the 
the you know the the whole goatee and the sinister laugh. Why can't he do something a little bit different? Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just like every doctor is you know somewhat different than another incarnation. He did regenerate. We saw him regenerate. So this is another and regeneration purists, of the master. Purists can say that this is just that that loopiness that comes with regeneration. No, I, I, I think he's just over the edge. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think the master is finally excited because he's actually got the wool over everyone's eyes, and he's several steps ahead of the doctor, and he knows at this point the doctor can't catch up with it. Mm. So he's just lost control. No, I think he's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well really now, maybe a better term. Well, yeah. no, somebody had posted yeah. something on a records doctor who asked me what was the difference between the master and President Bush, and I typed in, well, the master's an, uh, an evil genius, and Bush is just evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, I guess we can continue going around. Um, I forgot the exact order I went before, so I'm just going to um, go up the list here. Um, Taras, what, did you, uh, what was your take on this episode? Uh, personally, I thought plot-wise, was uh, it was a little weak, but there were a, a few good character moments in here, and that that's kind of what Russell T. Davies' strength is as a writer, anyway. But uh, I thought there was uh, it was a bit too heavy on uh, references, and it's like whenever I heard that drumming, I kept remembering that Mark Gatiss script, yeah. uh, that mm-hmm. skit that he had, and. Uh, yeah, I from thought Doctor that, Who Night. that was like so distracting for a while until I just pushed it out of my head. Well, the the use of the rhythm is the, is practically the Doctor Who theme song. I mean, they they figured out a way yeah. of sewing that in. Mm-hmm. Right, and and that's like a nod to that uh, that spoof uh, that Mark Gatiss had mm-hmm. about yeah, with David Williams and Mark Gatiss. I don't think it actually is a nod to that. I think that's what people who are diehard fans are seeing, but I don't think it actually is it could a be nod just a coincidence. to that. I, I mean, I really think if it was a, a, a musical theme that came from Murray Gold, I think that really he is just taking the bass line of the Out of the theme. theme. Yeah, yeah, I don't think, you know, I, don't, I really don't think it has anything to do with the Gatiss deal. Well, I mean, the, what the Gatiss deal was, was he was tapping the theme, so it still comes back to the theme. Right, However exactly. you look at it, it goes back to the theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... So now, Darth, and what that, did you uh, think? And the Valiant oh, sorry, reminded me so much of uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier from uh, Nick Fury. It, it <laughs> was familiar to me, but I couldn't place it. I, I don't or know. Um, I, in Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. That's where it was familiar for me. That's uh-huh. where it comes from. Uh, you know, not not to say that one isn't influenced by the other, but there's, there's definitely, you know, in science fiction, you start, you know, the the use of, Androids or replicants or a number of things, hyperspace, warp drive. You know, one starts it and then everybody else just borrows it in order to get characters from one place to another or to do one thing or another. I mean, the well, that was another. Was, you know, that was another thing that made me t- lend that that made me think that this was taking place in the near future, not not current day Earth. Well, it's also uh, it's also an invention of of the masters or or so. Uh, yeah, I he had believe. a. So As Minister you, of Defense, he had a large... Anytime um, the Master's role. involved, obviously his knowledge of of science is greater than any existing knowledge, so you ha- that's where you can easily write off, okay, they have a flying aircraft carrier. Uh, yeah, the Master did it. If Unit did it, you might be like, well, hmm. But uh, being that the Master could pull it off, 
it worked for me. And it's a unit aircraft carrier, which is interesting. Uh, also, that he invented something that units been using. They've been looking for him forever, and he's right underneath their noses. <laughs> you know, was it take, away, take, take away that uh, that goatee, and they cannot find him. Then <laughs> <laughs> again, how long has Torchwood been looking for the doctor? Hmm, that's true, and he's been upset. Yeah. And, and now they're on a wild goose chase. I, I thought that was a little bit too convenient. I, I would have preferred maybe. You know, some of the theories we were kind of speculating last week, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go back into that, but about um, Captain Jack not, you know, having maybe this story taking place before he formed Torchwood would, you know, since he was no references to Torchwood. I don't know, it just seems a little convenient that the Master sent the whole group, you know, off, you know, just to get him out of the way. Yeah. Well, they are a shadow of themselves after the battle at Canary Wharf, so that that kind of isn't that uh, really difficult to believe. Well, you know, I've had a problem with Torchwood and and the spinoff, mostly the spinoff of Torchwood uh, since day one, and this only uh, reconfirms... The episode day one? uh, Sorry. This really reconfirms my dislike of the spinoff. Now you have to find reasons to fit it in. You can't just do things for the sake of doing them. You have to figure out how does Torchwood fit into this. And then after next week's episode, we've got to go back to Torchwood. And make all this fit in. And for what? To have another show? To have six characters run around and do spacey stuff? That, you know, it just doesn't work for me. And that's the only thing. Well, that, ser- that series two current. Torchwood is going to be taking place in the Himalayas. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe they're searching for Yeti. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think the main goal of this particular episode was just to show what equals the Doctor and the Master are as far as they're both Time Lords, they're both extremely intelligent, and they have a lot of parallels throughout their uh, their lives, but there's just that one major difference in that one chose the light path and one chose the dark path. Mm-hmm. And they both love jelly babies. <laughs> <laughs> Great touch there, I thought. Uh, I I like that going way way back to Pertwee and and Joe Grant. Um, there was a discussion where he said, "Well, you could say we were at school together," and that goes all the way back to this whole you know they were in the academy. Academy, yeah. And, and that was a really nice touch, um, a very subtle touch. You know, there was connections to be made there, and and their you know the, how far back they go together, and how they're. I rewatched the five doctors the other night, and I noticed one thing: that the first doctor doesn't recognize the master at all because he, he asks who he is. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. The master tells him that he went to academy with it. Hmm. Well, I'm trying to think back to the first time uh, John Pertwee's doctor was introduced to him. There was another Time Lord that came to John Pertwee and made him aware of that mm-hmm. the master was on Earth, or something like that been a long time since I've seen it. And the master instantly says, I mean, the doctor instantly says he's nothing but a, you know, a meddler or a, uh, you know, he's just a, you know, he's a, he kind of dismisses him, but he instantly knows who he is and what he's all about in Terror of the Autons. Mm-hmm. Well, well, what always... I realize, well, what I have to realize, sorry to interrupt that, obviously okay. the, the show itself 
I mean, if you happen to really follow the show uh, as just Kanan, just the television series, then I think you're robbing yourself of, of just a tremendous imagination because all these other stories and all these other things, it's an open opportunity for, for at least the fans to go in and fill in the blanks, if you will. And, and obviously, I, I, I wouldn't believe that uh, trusting the television so, show itself as, as Kanan uh, would, would do us a whole lot of good. Obviously, there's, there's so many things that the doctor has done in past or he's mentioned uh, that he did in previous off-camera, and we've never seen those adventures, um, but perhaps we just have to take them as it is or we have to take them from the perspective of uh, what is being presented to us. Obviously, it's, it's like the phrase, it's not so much that uh, he told me what uh, he knew, it's what he told me what I knew. Mm-hmm. Well, um... Dross, what was your um, take on the episode? Well, as the middle part of a trilogy, it's certainly no Empire Strikes Back. Um, that doesn't mean it's bad, but it certainly doesn't have a gripping plot to my taste. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it is awfully dependent upon what happens in episode 13. Uh, 13 can really make or break this thing, but I will say that what we've seen so far in this episode does kind of make me like Utopia a little bit less. Uh, and I was hoping that this episode would make me like Utopia a bit more. I think that this episode has foreclosed, um, I'm pretty sure it has at least, the um, kind of incongruous beginning of Utopia. I don't think there's any way now to explain away uh, Captain Jack's arrival on the TARDIS with his uh, episode 13 of Torchwood Series 1. I think now that we have to recognize that as a misfit and that that was a missed opportunity, and that kind of sucks. Um, um, I kind of but, like... But just so you could explain yeah. that a little bit further, you're speaking of the Captain Jack. Um, in other words, um, at the end of episode 13 of Torchwood, um, now it's pretty locked in that he joins the Doctor at that point. I think it Where, is. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, now it is, but you would yeah. have enjoyed it better if if that was more open-ended? More open-ended or if it was or just not really touched on so you could believe whatever it is that you wanted to believe, but now you have to <laughs> okay. believe that, yeah. that there is a misfit. That. And that kind of sucks because uh, it just means they missed the ball on something that was relatively easy to fix. I think, too, you know, the way in which we very quickly moved away from I forget what planet that was that we were on, but whatever planet um, we were on last week, to Earth, you know, you foreclosed looking for the Master Stardust. And I think that that's kind of weird, because we see in this episode that it was voluntarily something that the Master did to put himself, (laughs) you know, as a human, which means there must have been a TARDIS around, which means we've now just left the planet where that TARDIS probably was. So Mm -hmm. why did we do that? It kind of doesn't make a lot of sense yet, but I guess that that still could be redeemed next week. I don't know. Yeah. Josh, you also made a good point last week about the the future kind, and 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 we, uh, I know Lewis was a little bit disappointed about them, but this episode, in, in kind of in light of what you're saying, this episode makes them, com- you know, leaves them Complete. completely hanging. They're just they were just a, a monster to to be had to yeah. create some kind of suspense and. And and yeah. you're re reevaluating Utopia after this episode. You, you you're right. It may, may even take it down a, a notch because it just isn't a sequel to Utopia. This is just the next step in this right. in this trilogy. 
Yeah, and it, and and that does kind of disappoint me a little bit because I thought there would have been, you know, a little bit more there with each other. Like when when the we'll call him Master Number One, uh, when the Jacoby Master takes the little circuit out of um, yeah, know, out of the computer there, and, and he looks at it and he says. Utopia with contempt. You kind of think, well, maybe there was more. Maybe we were going to find out what was going to happen with that rocket, but now we don't. And that kind of. That kind well, of I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I, I have someone has suggested on the board the inkling that perhaps uh, Utopia was actually was actually a ruse in order to convert them into Cybermen. Oh God, no! Oh God, no! <laughs> you must hey. be joking. This is this is what the uh, this is why I found on the boards, you know. I mean that that's it, it, you know how it is with uh, with records, Doctor Who. So, but um, <laughs> I guess, but that could only be, oh my god, I don't even want to contemplate that. That's so horrible. <laughs> I you know we could have spider Daleks and 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 a new form of Cyberman in episode thirteen. Who knows? For all we know, uh, what we just saw last night just so happened to be the best of both worlds, part one, where it's burgeoning up to a tremendous level of excitement. And, 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 and it fades to black immediately, and, and you're screaming at the TV set, much like Sopranos fans were in, in New Jersey and New York. And, and then, of course, the next week, here comes the big letdown. I hope that's not the case. Well, yeah, I'm yes. probably the only Sopranos fan who actually liked the ending, because I like cryptic endings. But uh, anyway, go on. No. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know if yesterday was the best of both worlds, part one. I don't think it's that good, but... That doesn't mean to say that there weren't a lot of really great moments in um, this episode, because there there clearly were, and it could turn out to be still a pretty good story. Um, I really, really enjoy John Sims' portrayal as the Master. I really, thank God, finally, we have another different, wholly different take on the Master. I, I mean, I... I have to be honest and say that I hate the Ainsley, uh, the Ainley portrayal of the Master because it's just trying to be R- Roger Delgado. This at least is something different. This at least makes sense. This is logical considering how the Doctor makes his regenerations. So, you know, yes, there are points of it which are camp. There are points which are maybe eye-rolling, but it's at least logical that it's wholly different than something we've seen before from the Master. So I, I'm really liking that aspect of it. Um, I'm glad that the Lazarus Project stuff came back. I think that it, it has come back in a way that kind of makes sense to me. Uh, but, you know, what? the jury's still very much out on this one, and we'll have to episode, see next week. It gives that episode a little more relevance now, the Lazarus Project. Well, yeah. Not just a one-off. You know, yeah. Significance to it. Yeah. But we had a hint that this was going to have some significance later because... Um, it, there was a mention of Harold Saxon, you know, funding that project, and we knew that there had to be a reason why he was funding it. Yeah, but it also too could just be part of that that story arc that you know that unfortunately Russell T Davies is, is famous for, where he has to find a way to get his season finale references in every story. They kind of backed off that this year, where it wasn't in every story; it was an occasional thing. Yeah, it wasn't heavy-handed like it was in last year's um, well, so to, series. To me, I, I've said this before: Tor- the Torchwood one in, in series two was a a, uh, a commercial every thirteen, you know, every for thirteen weeks, a commercial for the spinoff. Right. That's the only reason that if it was just a reference for a series finale, it would have been every other episode or or just a few times then. But they were getting, but as, they, were, they were promoting a new. Yeah, yeah. That was product placement. I but think the Mike difference Dur- this year 
was that it was actually something that was woven into the story as opposed to just Russell saying to the writer of the particular script, hey, put in this reference like we had with Bad Wolf and with Torchwood. Yeah. This is actually threads of plot weaving through the stories. But as uh, Mike Duran reminded us many times last year was that it was only really for us that we got tired of it for the casual viewer. They may have picked up on all the Torchwood references, but I mean, for us, it was glaring all the time. And, you know, uh, just every Yeah, but it was, it was obvious that it was something bolted on as opposed to something yes. being part of the storyline. Oh, I agree. This year was far more natural in, mm-hmm. yes. in its use. Uh, yes. Where it fit when they were on current day Earth, and it, it, you know, like in the Lazarus experiment, where he funded it, and it was um, something to do with with uh, Martha's parents. It was very natural. But when they went into Shakespeare code, they didn't find a way of putting Harold back. Mm-hmm. So, um, Wes, what was your take? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I guess I'll talk about a couple of things that haven't been mentioned yet. First thing is, I think they're planting the seeds for how Jack's going to get back to Torchwood by him finally telling the doctor that he was working for Torchwood and then the contempt the doctor had for him at that point on. And then um, the second thing is, the Time Lords brought the Master back to help fight the Time War. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, they, they you know, because we were looking for an explanation of how the Master got out of the um, the, um, the the Iron Harmony and and he mentions that the Time Lords resurrected him to fight, I guess, in the Time War. But well, they've he hired ran. him before in the Five yes, Doctors. Well. They've, they've, he's been a freelancer for the Time Lords. <laughs> and also in Trial of the Time Lords. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this time they gave him a whole new body, it looks like. I mean, they brought him back from the start, I guess, well, maybe, and now he has a whole new cycle. Maybe he, they gave him back his regenerations. Maybe that's how they bribed him, or you know, which didn't work out since he ran it, ran away anyway. So, um, anything else that you want to make a mention, Wes? Um, just that, uh, you know, I thought the, the dynamic between the Doctor and Martha is getting more and more strained, it seems. And then, um, you know, she basically told him the stuff that when she was talking to her family on the phone. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, well, I, 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 I like that part, you know, where, you know, she, you know, this was her family. She grew up with this family. She's known these people and cares about them longer than the Doctor and... Yeah. <laughs> well, especially on the heels of the mention that, you know, um, that when you fancy somebody and they don't I, know you're there. Yeah, you I was just going to make a mention of that myself. Yeah, it's <laughs> like when you fancy someone and they don't even know you exist. That was a, a brilliant uh, way of him describing the uh, the perception filter and, and mm-hmm. kind of like and, an unintentional and, dig at Martha. And Jack's reaction. And Jack as well, too. Can be, <laughs> yes. can be pictured two ways. He can either be referring to Rose or himself. When he says you too. Well, see, I think his his contempt for Jack is more along the lines of he, how dare he work for an organization? Torchwood is the reason why Rose is in the other dimension, really, because they're the ones that caused all the problems with the Cybermen and the Daleks. So he's, I guess, somewhat blaming Jack a little bit for that. In well, addition to him being a, a freako weirdo thing of nature. <laughs> let me ask you this question: uh, dealing with Martha and her relationship, being we're talking about that. Um, with the strained relationship in this episode, these rumors about um, Freema leaving the show, we, can we see her at, at the end of the next episode, next Saturday? Uh, do we see her leaving, possibly? Is it, is it, is it uh, plausible that 
she's had enough and she leaves. Yes. Yeah, I can see it definitely. That, that once again, this is this is was supposed to be a big secret, but you know it, it got leaked out. She signed for one year, and that was it. All right. Well, we'll we'll find out next week if that's the case. We, we don't want to speculate <laughs> yeah, too is, much about. If yeah, if that is the case, and this is probably the best year of her entire life. <laughs> right. I mean, I hope it's not the case, but you know, time will tell. Hmm. So, um, Joey, what was your take on this episode? Well, i, I got to say this again. As, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I hope it doesn't end up falling into that trap uh, of that uh, legendary Star Trek Next Generation two-part episode, The Best of Both Worlds, where it's absolutely kick-ass in the beginning, and part two is just a, 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 a letdown, a disappointment. Um, although I do agree, it, it, uh, this, um, this one... Uh, Sound of Drums was not as, how can I say, it's on the level of the best of both worlds. And, and obviously, if, if you haven't seen, uh, if, if you didn't live through it at that time, I think uh, that was like 1990, then uh, you, you kind of will get an idea as to what it was to experience that. But, but also at the same time, uh, experiencing this, I, I, I must say this, um, I have not been able to watch Doctor Who on a regular just the first two years, meaning that I see one odd episode here and there, um, and more or less catching the important plot points later on. But I've been watching every episode this season, and all I have to say is it's just getting better and better every year, better and better every uh, every episode. And I know that Russell Davies was, was writing and more or less trying to get over the Daleks first, uh, the Cybermen second, and now the Master, because... In a way, I, I think he wanted to give the fans what they wanted, obviously, first. Daleks out the way, Cybermen out the way, Daleks and Cybermen in the season finale. Get the fanboys, get, get their yayas out, whatever. Now he wants to concentrate on what he wants to do. And I, I, suffice to say that the master still is undiscovered country, if you will. We know him. He's a yin to the doctor's yang. He's Moriarty to the doctor's professor. But do we know him enough? And that little flashback, if you will, to Gallifrey, which was what somebody had said that there was like, what was it? Uh, he, he's seen 3D video games, 3D graphics that were much better. Look, dude, it's science fiction. Do what you want with it, as long as it wasn't a plastic model in a cardboard spaceship. But, but looking at, at, at that little backstory about the Master and how he looks, well, spoiler alert in 3, 2, 1, how he looks into eternity. And, and if the Doctor says, you know, some are, some are, if you will, freaked out and don't continue. Others, you know, stay on and become time lords and graduate from the academy. Others become completely insane. That would explain that. That, that would explain at least the, the the basis of what the master's persona is all about. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think it, it does it in a way which kind of uh, still keeps Gallifrey as something of a legend, as opposed to what they did in uh, The Deadly Assassin and kind of made them as just this uh, corrupt, uh, almost human-like society. Well, that's what Terrence Dix had, had mentioned, because he, uh, you guys are going to laugh now, uh, his basis for Time Lord Society from The Deadly Assassin on was the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. All right, I hear crickets, but you no, get well, the idea. Yeah, it was, it was a blend of different things, you know, starting starting with uh, well, the cardinals and all that, the cardinals know. and stuff. But there's there's elements of, of many different things between Castellan and the fact they use the president, and hmm. you know, there's, there's different elements. But yeah, definitely that there's 
there's it, it, the hierarchy is meant to be viewed as you know, almost in a religious, you know, in a religious sense. Uh, but I think they're setting up season four. Uh, you know, they like you were saying that they they did Daleks, Cybermen, Master. I don't think they're going to go for another monster yet n- next year. I think that whatever well, this guy. I'm going to be sure that because Russell T. Davies has stated that he he's, wants to bring all the iconic uh, enemies, you know, villains from the past back into the new series. And there's still a couple that, uh, and, and he had mentioned in the confidential, I don't know if you saw it yet, that this time yeah. next year there may, you know, most likely we'll be talking about another returning um, iconic villain from Doctor Who's history. I bet it's the Candyman. <laughs> yeah, forget well, about I, the I'm so or Ice Warriors or Yeti. It's the Candyman. Well, I'm so glad I got the mocker out the way because I was really sweating about that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think to, I think they may bring back an, an iconic um, monster or villain next year. But I think that the, the, that this time next year we're going to be talking about uh, what happened with Gallifrey, and I think they're going to have a reveal on that. They've slowly built up to this point. And next year, I think we find out what you know, what actually happened. Whether we flash back to the time war or whatever, that that to me seems the natural progression over these three years. You know, I think you I think you may see the Ice Warriors or the Silurians or the or the Santarans be in that two-parter in episodes five and six of the season. But I think when we get to the end of the season, this is what we're going to be dealing with again next year. Hmm. And also, truth be told, one also has to realize, I mean, we're, we're a bunch of adults here sitting uh, on this program here nitpicking this thing to, to the point of liquidation. Um, but yet, my niece and my nephew, my nephew's 11, my niece is 8, they're just sitting in front of this completely, totally enthralled, eyes open, jaws dropped, wondering what's going to happen next. No inclination as, to, as to, to the magnificent history and the backstory of this program that we have been very fortunate to, 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 to throw ourselves into and, and to understand and nitpick, if you will, as a result. But, but also realizing that this show is every week that it's been on, it has won the hour. It has, if not the night, it has won the hour. It has done extremely well in the ratings. It's done extremely well in the audience appreciation percentage range. You know, I, I see so many fanboys, like I, after the first few weeks, 6.9 mil, 7.2 mil, and they're all thinking, oh, my God, it's over with. No, it's not over with. Those were 1989 numbers. That meant the death no. Now, it's, it's changed because there's so many different channels, so many different viewing tapes, but at the end of the day, the BBC heads are going to be there at Shepherd's Bush on Monday morning, and they're going to take a look at the, at the ratings, and they're going to say, yeah, we got a veritable hit on our hands. And, uh, and the end was, in the top 20. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, factor out, factor out for those who, who don't take a look at uh, the Gallifrey One website where the news is concerned and the ratings overall, I think where the top 20 shows are concerned, 15 of them are soap operas. So if Doctor Who happens to place number 16 or 17, that's damn good. So, well, if you uh, remove the soap operas, Doctor Who's in the top five almost yeah. every week. Exactly, exactly. So this show definitely is going to go on for for fourth season, for fifth season. Of course, I know certain fans will like to see this contracted for the next 20 years, but you never can tell. Times can change, tastes can change, uh, kids will grow up, there might be something that might be much, much better than Doctor Who. I don't think it ever will be, but you get the idea. And, and obviously we're taking this one year at a time, and then 20 years from now we're going to look back at this great history as we celebrate the 75th anniversary of the show, and we're going to look and say, wow, you know, it, 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 it struck lightning not once but twice, and it's still going strong. I hope that will be the case, 
Um, but but also rest assured that um, if it, again, if this is the penultimate episode of the best season of Doctor Who since I can safely say since about season twelve when Tom Baker first became the Doctor, and that speaks volumes. Great gems somewhere along the line. But still, I haven't seen a season of Doctor Who as exciting, as important, as essential, as as magnificent as it's been in about well over 30 years. Well, I, I don't think Doctor Who is ever going to go away. It may go, you know, into hiatus or go away for a short periods, but it, it will always come back, just like Sherlock Holmes, just like Superman or Batman. These are just um, modern legends and, um, and and mythology that will just always be with us. Oh yeah, in one way, yeah. one form or another. Yeah, this show is an established British icon. I mean, you cannot find anybody under the age of fifty who knows what a police box is. I mean, for what it, what it was created about over 120 years ago. Now they're looking at it as a TARDIS, not as a form of police telecommunications. And mm-hmm. and suffice to say again that you know this, this show is a definite British icon. And when when I um uh, when I interviewed <laughs> I interviewed Murray Gold a couple of nights back. And he's here in New York for, for a bit. And when he's talking to these people uh, about, uh, they ask him what he does, and he says that he scores uh, this music for this British television show. I don't know if you've heard it. And they ask what it is, and he says Doctor Who. And they say, no, I, I don't know what it's about. But, but yet in the U.K., if he mentions his association with Doctor Who, it's, in essence it's like being, well, maybe being part of the Beatles. I don't know. But, but obviously it's, it's, it's amazing what, what an ocean uh, will do to divide that excitement. But in the U.K., uh, I mean, uh, no matter where the doctor is, is perceived and accepted, in the U.K., he always, will be, he always will be number one, if not in the top three icons of, of, of Great Britain. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think things have gotten better here in the U.S. as far as uh, the general populist knowledge of the program, but it's, you know, in the last three years, but it's, it's nowhere near to where it is in, doc- in, 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 in the U.K., of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, the that show, goes on its on its second run now, it was bulletproof when it first came out in the '60s, and once again, it's bulletproof uh, in in the 21st century. And the show is just it came out strong. It was strong and a legend for years. Uh, it was it was uh, vindictively taken off the air by one man, uh, and then now it's returned and it's bulletproof again. And I would you know I would be very surprised. I mean, without really tanking the show, it would be very hard to take a show like this off the air. So. Uh, again, I've always I said since we we got it back, we need to be grateful. We have a good man at the helm in Russell T. Davies. Uh, they have a lot of believers and a lot of supporters, and now the numbers back it up. So we're in good shape. But we need to, as fans, we need to keep telling our friends about it. And I and I still do. I'm, I'm you know, I have a, a job that I've only been in for about eight months now, and I've met people who are Doctor Who fans, and one or two people who are Star Trek fans. And I said, well, if you like Star Trek, have you seen this other show? You know, and winning new people over, getting new people to check it out. And everybody who has with the new show has really enjoyed it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, well, I, I, I can concur with that because my sister, as I may have mentioned before, and if, if you've heard me now, uh, in past uh, on, on whatever I've put my mouth to the microphone with before, my sister has loathed the show, hated the show. Thought Peter Davison was cute, but hated the show nonetheless. Now, when I told her back in 05, uh, 04, the show was coming back, she said, if it is anything like Buffy or X-Files or Stargate, then she'll watch. And uh, it's now gotten to a point where, you know, the, the kids are watching the show, and she's in the other room talking on the phone. 
And for a mom with an 11-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter in America, you know, to, uh, that are very, very impressed uh, right now, if you will, uh, by what they see on television, for my sister to leave the room for one television show, and that's Doctor Who, that speaks volumes. And that's, that's the classic answer I get for anybody who says, you know, is this show good? Is it, is it anything like your father's Oldsmobile? And, and the answer is this is not your father's Oldsmobile. This is the kind of program where people can sit down here and watch if they have an open mind. Well, let me, we've been, you know, we've been talking, the, the show is pretty much focused now on, on Sound of Drums. Let's, let's go into the queue, Lewis. We probably have a yeah. ton of people who... Well, who, you, uh, I was just going to say, speaking of numbers, we have plenty of people lining up and um, calling in. So we're going to get to our uh, people that are calling in. And just to remind everyone, if you want to uh, speak and interact with us live on the show, just enter the queue. If you're using the TalkShoe live client uh, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a uh, button there to enter yourself into the queue, and we'll get to you. So, first one up is uh, Lonely Angel 10. Hello. Hello, Lonely. Hello. Hi. Hi. This Welcome is back Meredith. to the show. Yeah, hi. This is Meredith calling from Brooklyn again. Good to have oh, you Meredith. back. Hi, guys. Um, getting back to the episode, um, I wanted to say, for me, it was a two out of uh, five, and okay. um, I, I think because for me it was weak on plot. Um, the acting was really, really good. And um, the reason I, I think that I was, I was sort of missing the direction of Graham Harper for this episode. And because he was in the last episode of um, Utopia with Russell's writing, it just um, it felt a lot stronger as opposed to last night with a different director. And I just think that um, Russell's writing usually gets all over the place and it needs to be tied up um, from a good direction. And um, it, it just wasn't present last night. I agree with okay. that, Lowell Angel. And, and by the way, may I say that Brooklyn has, still makes the best pizza ever on this planet. Graham Harper has a natural... <laughs> you, you know a story that Graham Harper has directed. And uh, something was lacking in that last night, and uh, I didn't realize that it was... Uh, uh, I, I didn't realize who the director was until I saw Confidential. And I kind of realized, yeah, there wasn't that Graham Harper touch. But, but you are right about that. Uh, directing, uh, writing can go a long way, acting a long way, but obviously directing is a linchpin of the production. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yes. So there was just all these like little like things that just weren't really explained for me enough. Um, I'm not a Hoovian that you know I don't really know too much about the backstories, but whatever they were trying to explain was not really registering with me at all. Um, I don't understand why the TARDIS was cannibalized. If you know that it was a paradox, what the you know where is the TARDIS? I don't I didn't get that at all. I had yeah, I, I think that like, might go that, that into next week's that part sounds like a setup for what's going to happen in the next episode. So yeah, right. Yeah, none of us really knew exactly what that all was about. I mean, that just didn't make any sense. Okay, well, it's a cliffhanger, but it's like it just was. It was just placed in the wrong at the wrong time. Um, the other thing was uh, when they finally got to the scene where um, they were going to reveal all the things about the Lazarus experiment. Um, I can't really get the whole idea of, you know, using the doctor's hand to make some sort of a laser uh, screwdriver. And that, I mean, was that the whole purpose? I, I think it had to do with him aging, that he needed the DNA to, um, to, age to accelerate the his aging. To affect the doctor at all. I think he needed to have his DNA, so that was... But that sort of just weakened the doctor, in other words, that he was just going to be placed in a situation where he just couldn't do much because he was like 150 or something, or looked 150. 
I think the I don't, master I don't just yeah. relishes in doing something this doctor to just say, hey, I've done something that you can't do. Mm. Yeah. I will say this, Lonely Angel, if um, I know you just had a small glass of Doctor Who, my best suggestion is if, uh, if you really want to open up if you really want to open up the liquor cabinet, you're going to have to block off the next 20 years. But go to Gallifrey1.com and all will be revealed. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, I've only really been watching, um, you know, since the middle of season one. And I did see the, um, the, the special that was on with Paul McGann. Um, but, I mean, as far as anything before that, I don't really have too much reference to go by. I didn't really uh, enjoy the show when I was younger. Um, go, to, go to Best Buy and start with Tom Baker. No, 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 no. I think she brings up a very good point, though. If she's only got the Russell T. Davies era to go on, and yeah, Russell that's, T. Davies has provided... Yeah, and she, I have to go Russell with T. what Russell is, what his plot points are, and what he's brought into, this, into his version of the series. Right. Exactly. Just following from what I know, some of it is just not adding up. And I and I I would concur. There is a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense in this episode. Even and, having uh, a lot of and, uh, even the background. Torchwood thing. I mean, even the Torchwood thing came in later, and it's like that whole thing with them. Like, oh well, Torchwood can't help you. They're in uh, the Boondocks. They just we've uh, you know took care of them. I mean, that's just you know you, you would think that here they have Captain Jack that they could you know use that opportunity yeah. to bring in other characters to sort of maybe you know. And now it's I, definitely I, I think they said yeah. that they're not going to bring the Torchwood characters into Doctor Who. At all. Right. It's, I think that, that's one of the things. They can't afford to pay the, those actors in addition to everyone in Doctor Who, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, the thing is, I'm not really, I mean, I, I've seen most of Torchwood, and I'm not really uh, too sold on the series yet. But it's just, you know, there was just a lot of things about last night's episode that, you know, needed a little bit more uh, depth to it, I think, and just not as many open-ended questions that are not going to be answered in the next episode. Well, we don't know that they're not going to be answered some yet. Some will, but, right, I think most of them will, but some of them are just going to still be just explained away, really, uh, you know, in a, in a way for children, I guess, or, you know, because they have to put a lot of elements in the show that kids will just understand, you know, quickly. Well, that's the beauty of the show. There are some questions that we're not going to know the answers to for the next 25 years. I mean, it took six years to find out what the doctor's home planet was and why he was running away from them. Mm -hmm. And six years is one heck of a stretch. So suffice to say that we got this amount of information in a short amount of time. For those who have been fans for about 25, 30 years, that's a hell of a revelation. But, but yeah, I do understand where you're coming from on that. Um, I just wanted to add one last thing. Um, I had a friend who's on uh, Doctor Who New York, the group. Mm-hmm. Yay! Uh, yay! <laughs> um, her name is Linnea, and um, she sent me an email, and her question is, may I uh, read her question? Sure, please. Okay. Her question is, um, um, and it reads like this, I'm curious, if in reading some of the reviews for The Sound of Drums and the weakness of episodes before Human Nature, People feel we can still say in Russell we trust. End quote. Well, I haven't that been saying her, that yeah. since, since since last year. Since after Love and Monsters, I've never said that again. But others have, and um, you know, I know. I, I that's just my opinion, though. So, so this is where my feet are in the fire now. <laughs> <laughs> I, <that's laughs> I think they're throwing you completely in the oven. Oh, uh, that's okay. 
it is. It's, it's been very tough to defend, uh, especially in my own words. I took him, uh, you know, I took him to task about the spinoff with Torchwood um, because I, I questioned the judgment of, of a spinoff. I just thought that that was, um, it just was the, it, it wasn't, it was something that would start uh, a watered, watered down effect to the stories. And perhaps this season is that result. Maybe, unfortunately, I don't my, know. I mean, my prophecy thing, came true. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Torchwood is it seems that they have a lot of different writers and a lot of different directors, and they can't really get one main focus of the, of the series so far. I mean, I definitely want to see what happens in series two. But, I mean, out of all the episodes I saw, I really only liked um, They Keep Killing Susie. Well, you know, that I... That was one I, of my favorites, but, like, other mm-hmm. ones went south. They didn't really... They never came through at the end. Um, they never... You know, it just wasn't something that I wanted to watch week in and week out, and I kept skipping a couple of episodes. And, you know, and I was, every week I was only watching for uh, for John Barrowman. It's... I've always reviewed my, my Doctor Who episodes uh, with the whole, I always mention the rewatch factor. And for me with Torchwood, there was very little rewatch factor. I can tell you honestly, I've never watched, I think I've watched one episode more than once. And that was I simply to get, try to right. absorb things. I think you get all you need to know in one episode. You don't really need to watch it again. I mean, you find and, and, and that to me uh, is the reason to be a fan of something. You know, with Doctor Who, you want to watch something again to see something again or because you enjoyed it so much you want to see it again. With Torchwood, I didn't feel that I enjoyed it enough to want to watch it again. Well, I'm and definitely going yeah, to watch Sound of Drums again. I've already seen it twice, once last night and, and this morning. And when I watched it the second time, I got a little bit more clearer on certain things that were that were getting to me. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, I, there's I, still a whole bunch of things in that episode that were just not really what I expected. If you're a fan in the U.K., you're lucky in that they repeat the episode. I think it's on BBC Three, and and there is a definite need in a story like this to watch it more than once. And it, mm. if, if you only watched it on the on the the one showing, you definitely missed something. Because yeah. I watched yeah. it about two and a half times at this point. Uh, right before the the podcast, I went back to watch the end where there's a you know a ton of things going on just to to try to absorb all that I could, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an episode like this is definitely this, uh, a rewatch factor, but but I agree that that the story, and again I'm I'm trying to reserve judgment till I see next week because yeah I mean the finale is what's going to do it. The finale is going to really uh, you know make me know if if series four is going to go well or not. Yeah. You know I'm just I'm hoping it's not going to be a huge disappointment like uh, this episode was. No no there's uh, so much money investment in this it's definitely not going to be a huge uh, disappointment. Well, that's mm-hmm. good then, because I'm definitely looking forward to it. But um, yeah. yeah, so that's enough for me, and um, I'm going to let someone else on the line. So. Well, so thank much. you so much. Um, thank you. Gonna... <clears throat> Thanks. Uh, next one up is um, hold on, is uh, Shiro Kuro. Shiro Kuro. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Greetings. Hi again. Um, uh, yeah, I think the first thing I want to say about this episode was um. I absolutely loved uh, John Sim. I thought he did a great job. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of stra- it was kind of strange for me because I actually before I watched the episode yesterday, I had watched uh, season two of Life on Mars yesterday during the day. So it was kind of uh, interesting seeing into a completely different role. I did the same exact thing because I'm sort of like catching up with series two of Life on Mars, and I was like watching episode five of Life on uh, the series two of Life on Mars. 
prior that, that afternoon, just hours before seeing this episode. So it's like switching gears. Uh, but Jonathan right. pulls it off. He's incredible. He, uh, yeah, I, mean, know, I don't just, confuse the two characters. Yeah, I mean, it just shows what a, you know what a talented actor the guy is. Um, yeah, there, there was a couple of moments in it, you know, which were kind of you know almost kind of cringeworthy moments where I thought, oh, maybe he's going a bit too over the top there. But then when I watched the episode again, I felt a lot better about those moments. Uh, like, for example, the one moment when you first see the aliens on the TV, and then he goes, oh, sweet, and stuff like that. And you think, come on, how can you get away with saying that as the Prime Minister on TV? But then at the same time, you've got to remember, he's got everybody hypnotized, so he can pretty much do and say whatever he likes. Um, <laughs> So, you know, moments like that. The other kind of cringe moment was uh, the bit where he opens the rift or whatever at the end and the music comes on. Um, that that was a little bit cringeworthy the first time I saw it too. But when I rewatched it, I actually kind of thought it was quite amusing and it didn't bother me quite so much. Um, <laughs> I think maybe to sum this one up, um, I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't enjoy it as much as Utopia. Um I didn't, and I didn't enjoy it quite so much as the previous episode 12, like the Bad Wolf or the Army of Ghosts. Um, but I think maybe part of that is because we got the huge reveal last week. You know, the huge reveal of the Master came last week. So it's like we've all had a week of thinking about that and going, wow, and theorizing and all that. So all that stuff that would have been going on, that we would have been doing right now, talking about right now, we got a lot of that off our chest last week. So I think that's what makes this episode a little bit different from the others, the other episode twelves. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I didn't like about this episode was uh, the the quick resolution to last week. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, the the method that they got back didn't bother me. Um, it was just how quick it was. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen you know a little bit more, not necessarily about how they got out of it, but. I would have liked to have known a little bit more about the whole utopia thing, and you know, especially the you know the bit where he pulled the computer disk and you know laughed utopia and whatever. I mean, what was behind that? But maybe we'll find that out next week. I mean, Either maybe next week or maybe next year. Maybe there'll be a story that will pick up. You know, where the rocket leaves off. You know, in last week's episode. You know, sort of like you know returning to New Earth in this series. You know, from last series, and maybe we'll return to you know, whatever that planet was called, you know, thousands and thousands of years in the future. Right. New New Earth or something. I think it was late in the game that they designated these last three episodes as part of one story. Because if you recall the early release of the listings with the blurbs of what the stories are about, had Utopia listed as a separate story, and I think that they just combine them all and there's less in common between them other than that cliffhanger-type ending. Yeah, Utopia is pretty much just a setup for maybe this two-parter, even though they both say to be continued at the end. Utopia seems to be on its own, you know, more so than this episode and next week's episode, I think, are more as a more of a two-parter, and that was like a prequel. Right. Yeah, kind of in the vein of how uh, Legopolis was to Castrovalva. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. Um, 
I, I think maybe a couple of other things I heard about this episode in particular was um I it was very effective, you know, the way that the way that the master dealt with the doctor with the aging and stuff like that. And it was kind of a quite scary and disturbing to see the doctor so not just helpless but actually like physically helpless, physically debilitated. Um I thought that was quite effective. You know, it it's like uh you know, it's like when you see Superman taken down by kryptonite or something like that. It's kind of yeah. it's like shocking and jarring when when you see that. So it, that, it's that sort was, of a nod to the leisure hive, if you remember, where the doctor was aged there as well. Though he, he you know, here he seemed a little bit more nimble and and physically disabled, whereas in the leisure hive he he just seemed you know looked the part, but not really acted it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess you know, if if you want to analyze it further, I mean, I get, you know, in in the worst case, what's going to happen, or the doctor will just regenerate, and you know that physically he'll be fine at some point in the future. But you know, for the time being, it's almost like the masters managed to kind of take him out of the game to some extent. Um, uh, yeah, let's see. I think there was I, I suspect one... that that you know he's going to get to that um, somehow the master's going to reach you know because re- he reversed that um, Lazarus the laser sonic screw, laser screwdriver thing and you know we'll see him return back to David Tennant before um, before too long I think. Yeah, I, I don't see David Tennant putting up with that makeup for a whole season, so uh, <laughs> I, you know I think he might be looking for another job soon <laughs> if he has to do that, but. Uh, uh, let's see. There was one other interesting thing I noticed was the bit where the the toclophane, uh, the the sphere thing, appears. You know, just after the master's watching the the Teletubbies, which is quite amusing actually. Um, and it says, you know, oh, you have to get the machine working because we have to run, run away from the darkness. Um, one thought I had about that was, well, what if they're somehow linked back to the whole utopia thing? What if the darkness is the encroaching end of the universe? Um, that that was just another another crazy mm-hmm. idea. Um, I think uh, another thing it was it was great to see Gallifrey. You know, you got a bit of shiver up your spine when you saw the Time Lords with the you know with the, the funky collars on and all that. So yeah. that that was very cool. And uh, and I can't remember who it was that stated it a little while ago, but I I also would not be surprised if uh, Martha um, Martha decided to leave the Doctor. I mean, this. I mean, this is her. She's seen it right up front. This is the doctor, and this is the effect that he's having, like directly on my family. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I. Yeah, I would, she says it's all I your fault. Not, yeah. yeah, I would be sad to see Freema go, but I would not be surprised if if uh, if Martha left the doctor. So, um, and I think the last point I wanted to make about this episode was the the music. I thought the music was great. Um, yeah. One but one bit I especially loved was um you know the bit when Martha pulls away from the doctor at the end before she teleports mm-hmm. and the music is very very like the music in Doomsday when yes, that's when so are separated. Yeah. So, um, but I think that's all I wanted to say about this episode. Um, yeah. You know, thanks as always to you guys for you know keeping the podcast going and. Uh, that's all from me. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And I agree 100%. I think Murray Gold has, has really been the shining star. I mean, he's just so – he's consistent in every episode where the music is always right, you know, spot on. Yeah, I think he really shined in this episode. Um, at least in my opinion, it just seemed to be really spot on. And not only just where the music was, but also where it wasn't. And I, I just thought it was all done magnificently well. Yeah, completely agree. 
Okay, we're going to go because we still got lots of callers on board. So um, thank you so much. And our next one up is uh, Dave in Manchester in, in the UK. Hey. Dave, are you with us? Hi, Lewis. Hi, folks. Yeah. Good to have yeah, you back on board. Yeah. Um, uh, just uh, lots and lots of things to say. Uh, the the last speaker, one of the things he said, he didn't have any um, argument with the method that they got back. Um, but um, I did. I thought that, uh, I mean, that device that the Captain Jack had, um, it couldn't have carried, well, it did carry all three of them back to Earth, but I think a much better thing would have been that if the Master's TARDIS would have been somewhere in the Professor's um, lab or whatever mm -hmm. it was, uh, if, if they'd have used Jack's device to perhaps locate that, and if it was broken, use that device maybe even to fix it and to travel back in the master's device. And the reason why I think that would be a great idea, because it gives the master a way of escaping at the end of the season. Because, obviously, the doctor's going to get and reclaim his own TARDIS. What better way than the old... Um, uh, well, he, he, he grabs the, the, the device from, um, from Captain Jack or Martha, who has it now, I think. Now, Dave, if I may, there was one line where the doctor had mentioned that the TARDIS was set that it could only go back and forth between the current era, or plus or minus 18 months, and 100 trillion. So it's possible that the Master could have gone back to retrieve his TARDIS with what they've mentioned in the episode so far. But that would involve him, uh, that would involve him traveling in two at once, though, wouldn't it, really? Well, he had two TARDISes before. Ah, he could have it inside, uh, yes. That would be certainly a way around it. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, I mean, the, I think it was, uh, Lewis said it at the beginning, the start where they suddenly landed on Earth, I'm going, what? <laughs> and, uh, on the other hand, it did get the, uh, the, the three main people, Jack, uh, the Doctor and Martha, straight back into the story. So Yeah, I think they needed to do that. To carry the pacing, um, the plot, and I, I, you know, I think this story is a story unto itself, and Utopia sort of concluded at the end of Utopia, even though there's still yeah, a lot of loose uh, ends. The other big, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought there was an awful lot in this uh, one, and this for a poor chap like me, I'm going to have to watch it a couple of more times. But um, let me just deal with one other problem I had, and that was the. Um, the part on Gallifrey, which I loved as visiting, but, the, the, you know, the greatest civilization the galaxy has ever known, and they subject their eight-year-olds to, to this uh, test. Uh, it's almost like putting putting your hand in the hole where there's a, a creature to grab it, you know, the torture mm -hmm. test that's in, been in other science fiction programs. Yeah. But, but what I thought, it didn't work the way the Doctor was telling it, because if the master had gone mad at that point well he would have been first of all he would have been mad secondly he would have been refused entry into the academy and he would never have learnt uh, the time lord's tricks because i think a lot of older listeners are sorry long time listeners will realize that um not well not all the people on gallifrey are time lords there are 
uh, well, they used to be in the old series, ordinary people. So uh, I think it would have been much better if the Doctor had said something like, the Master was the first person who'd gone mad at the sight, uh, but had been able to mask it. He'd shown extreme his intelligence, his force of will. He'd hidden that from his Masters, and so had gained uh, access to the Academy. But as soon as he qualified, he'd stolen the TARDIS and gone. And the same with the doctor. The doctor said, uh, they said, well, what did you do? And he said, I ran away. Well, again, if he'd have run away, he would have failed the test. So surely it would have been better if the doctor, equally with strength, equally with resolve, equally with intelligence, he had not gone mad, but he had stayed rooted to the spot. But that had affected his personality, and that's why when he was growing up, the doctor, he had that urge to leave Garifay, and he... um, Borrowed a TARDIS. Uh, so again, they're both like two sides of the, the same coin. They're both renegades in a way. They both uh, managed to get through that test, but were both equally but slightly differently affected by it. So yeah, I think it's, two... it's more of a rite of passage than a test, or more mm-hmm. akin to something like out of the Star Trek series, uh, or the movies rather, the, the Kobayashi Maru. Incident yeah. where uh, they just want to see how you react, and it's not really a test where there's the right way to do something. It's a bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but those were the two main gripes, I think. Um, I, I wasn't really keen on the way Johnson played the part, but he, as the confidential said, if people watched it, that um, he he did everything by the script, and that was how it was done. And I didn't. I didn't really want that. I wanted, yes, a, a ruthless master, a scheming master, a megalomaniac, um, you know, a master who would, like John Sims did. I mean, we've been talking now for an hour and a quarter. Nobody's mentioned that uh, one-tenth of the human race was wiped out in this episode. <laughs> We're more, more interested in jelly babies in the, the, the master's lap. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the thing was... Uh, I would rather have the menace back. Um, I thought it was a little bit too flippant. I almost expected the odd Batman kapow and kawam pictures to come on the screen. Kawam. Um, yeah. Um, but those, uh, let me get those gripes out of the way because there are obviously other people who want to talk. Um, I like lots of things. The, the, the master aging the doctor, I think this was just, um, instead of him using his tissue, tissue compression device, which presumably is lost during his life as a professor, so he's now got this um, laser screwdriver, and it, it has incorporated in it the Lazarus experiment stuff, and, uh, and as some people have said, he's just incapacitated the Doctor. I don't really think he wants to have a universe without the Doctor, but he's incapacitated him, taking him right to the edge of a, um, a regeneration, but of course, again, he doesn't want the Doctor to regenerate because he, uh, the the foe would be back with him. Um, and of course, uh, Ken, if you're still listening, that's another toy they can sell with our cynical hats back on. Um, <laughs> uh, because uh, th- these creatures, these orb-like creatures, and this is something I'd like to add in, but it's not my uh, thing. I noticed it on the Digital Spy. Some The Toclophane somebody said that that could be an anagram of fetal cam, meaning uh, the doctor, uh, the master refers to them as his children. So, 
fetal meaning, you know, obviously an unborn baby that can be in the actual container. Now, whether that's a link back to the uh, the the, uh, the vast numbers of people that were put into the spaceship in uh, Utopia, or as I thought a little bit, they look like uh, Sundaran spaceships, miniature ones. So I think uh, there's a lot to be revealed in the last episode, and this is the most difficult episode of the lot to review. And I'll very quickly finish because I'm wittering on yet again. Uh, I loved all the, uh, the little the way that the master had stolen the doctor's clothes, as it were. Uh, the jelly babies are being referred to. There's one bit where the master's wearing a cape with like a red lining, a little it, bit it, like the. Third yeah, it doctor. reminded you of a cape. It was actually a red lining. It, he's wearing a jacket, like a suit jacket, but it has a red lining in it, and it um, it, it hawks back to like a cape. It, yeah, a, a little bit John Pertwee, wasn't it? A little bit. Um, well, didn't so, the master uh, wear a cape at one point? Um, do you have to ask me sure. me for that one? Maybe uh, in I the love, TV movie. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I love That's the use true. of keys. I thought that was that was back to the old, you know, uh, the doctor using his uh, MacGyver moment again, and I think that really worked. Um, so... Yeah, oh, uh, and one last thing, um, I'm still not sure about Saxon's wife. I mean, she doesn't seem right at all, but that, again, may be a reveal for next week. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm actually on the forum giving it a rating of, well, I would have given it a rating of three and a half groans, but there isn't that. So, I only gave it three, but I think it could be a four, and next week could really be a belter. So, it is exciting, and there are lots to talk about, and I'll hand back to you, Lewis. Thanks. Well, thank you so much, Dave. And uh, as far as like that whole test thing, I mean, I agree with Taras. I, I don't really think it's when the doctor said he ran. I don't know if that was a literal thing, you know, where you know, I, I think when the master saw that and went, you know, over the edge, so to speak. I don't think it was an instantaneous thing. I think it was just the start of it, and it was a gradual um, thing that led to his insanity or, or where he is today. But I think that's where it all started. I don't think he just went insane instantaneously at that point, but I think that's what was the um, the spark of it. Yeah. Also, one last thing. They did explain quite well why the uh, doctor hadn't sensed the master, that, that uh, the, the drumming had that thing in. And so they, they did... Uh, the, the hand wasn't used for that. The hand was used for the, the DNA sample. So they did um, actually fit an awful lot in to the episode. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, okay. Dave. Once again, and Dave brought up something interesting about the Tarquafane, and if I recall, the, one of the last lines of the uh, of the episode was he refers to them as my children as they're descending. Mm. Yeah, and he did say that if he told the doctor the truth about her, it would break his heart. So it's, you know, it's not something <laughs> you know it's going to be a, a hard pill to swallow for the for the doctor. Right. So the whole way I'm as sorry. As if, no. killing the, as if killing tens of the human race would break both his hearts. Mm. They could be okay. the doctor's children with his DNA. That's well, or somehow related to Gallifrey, because the way that they pop down from the heavens is kind of. It's odd. It's like they're, they've been pulled down from a, the time space vortex. It's not like they just sort of. It's not like they were in orbit of Earth or were traveling in a normal way. They they come from another dimension, it seems like. 
Yes, mm. it was like a tear in the fabric of space, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, the way the, the heavens opened up, yeah. Quite. Okay, well, we're going to go to our next call. Thank you once again, Dave. Okay, okay. thanks. Cheers. Thanks. Okay, next one up, I believe, is Ian. Is that, am I right? Is that, is that you? Yes, that is me. The Sixth Doctor. Yes. Screen oh, Ian. Ian. Yes, How you can you hear doing? me? Oh, uh, good, 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 good. Um, sorry I missed last week, you know, Father's Day and all. Had to go spend it with any in-laws. That's understandable. Uh, yeah. So I, if, if, if everybody would indulge me, I just wanted to kind of give my review of that real quick. Um... I, I liked Utopia. Seemed kind of rushed. Um, you know, did the old punching in the air when it was the monster. It's like, well, everybody was right. You know. <laughs> um, loved the cliffhanger. It, it, yeah, it was good. Johnson is going to take a little getting used to. Um, now I will go to, on to uh, this week's episode. Um Continuing along with uh, John Sim, um, the, 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 I guess the difficult part for me is um, getting over the fact that you know he doesn't have a goatee and he's not the gentleman villain. But that's basically the fault of, of um, the previous series uh, when you know Roger Delgado died and they brought in Anthony Ainley. They made him very very similar. And so it's very difficult to adjust to this new master, and because he's nothing like that. But he, it's 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 an interesting character and interestingly portrayed. And I I like the fact that Russell wrote him quite quite different and very off the wall, very almost comedic, but just brutally insane as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Loved seeing Gallifrey. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um, the fact that you know you see Time Lords there. There's the the whole gear on them, and it was just like that's the way they're supposed to look. <laughs> they didn't change anything. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, that was my reaction too. Yeah, it was just like it was really really nice, and it's like when when he started talking about Gallifrey, and then they kind of went into this thing. I'm like, oh my god, it's Gallifrey. It's outside. It's not a Corridor. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wow. Um, I'm going to move on again. Um, Martha, I thought, was really, really good in this. Um, yeah, the the one line I really, really liked is after her, her um, flat exploded. And the doctor's telling her what to do. And she just turns around and snaps at him. Yeah, and I was like, you you don't really see a companion do that, and it was just yeah. nice to see her turn around and say, you know, stuff off, you know. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, and Teague in the mouth on legs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Teres. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a long time since you know Teague, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I might have. I might have to do uh, like uh, whiskey. Said is uh, you know, take away my geek status there. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot about Tegan. Um, the I, I like the beginning of it. The simple explanation of how the Doctor and, and and gang get there 
uh, they moved the plot along really, really quickly. You know, it, they didn't spend a lot of time on like, you know, well, here's the Doctor cobbling together something or searching to find the Master's TARDIS. Or it was just really quick and moved the plot right along. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, the whole underlying theme was that Saxon had been there the whole time. Yeah. And when when he regenerated, we knew who he was, and you know, and that was the important part. You know. Uh, also, the 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 quite simple but um, explanation of the Master's resurrection. You know, there's been a lot of speculation of, well, how did he survive from the TV movie? How did he come back? Did he escape from the TARDIS when Rose opened it? Um, it was it was just very very simple, and I I liked it. It's like, well, you know, the 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 Time Lords are quite capable of doing things like that, and why not? You know, uh, the the unanswered questions I I, I kind of have from the whole thing. The last episode as well is like um, others have said before is like, where is the Master's TARDIS? I'm, I'm assuming that when he was resurrected, he was given a ship, uh, or he took well, one when he ran away. Right. Because I mean, how else had, would he have a chameleon arch? Right. And and that leads on to my next unanswered question is uh, how much of what um, the uh, first master was saying was chameleon arch memories and how much was actual reality. Uh, He said he'd spent a lot of time hopping from uh, refugee ship to refugee ship. Uh, We know that he'd been with Chanto for, for quite a long time, but... You know, they had been on that planet. But I think she said, what, uh, 16 years or something. But prior to that, where had he been? And, you know, if he moved on, it's like he wouldn't have brought the TARDIS with him because he would have no knowledge of it. So that's kind of, uh, you know, an up-in-the-air thing. It's like, you know, uh, maybe it'll be revealed at the end of here if if, uh, if he is- escapes from this one. <laughs> uh, the The... I'll just finish off by saying it. I think it was a really great cliffhanger. I enjoyed it far more than last season because last season it was like, well, it's the <clears throat> Cybermen and the Daleks, and you know he, the Doctor's going to pull something out of his hat, and everything's going to be fine and dandy. Yes, we lost Rose, but uh, no, great, lost. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked Rose, but I, I really love Martha. Um, but uh, this one, it's like, you know, how are we going to get out of this one, Chief? You know, uh, the Doctor's old, Martha's out on her own. Um, who knows how many times they're going to kill John Barrowman in the next episode. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's pretty much up in the air. People are dying left, right, and center. And I, I, I really think there's a, a bigger sense of, of danger in this one. You know, the, mm-hmm. the Master has definitely got the upper hand. Whereas when the Daleks and the Cybermen came into it, you knew that they were destined to fight amongst themselves and the Doctor would be able to do something. You know, that the Master has the Doctor right where he wants him and, you know, to observe his triumph. And so, yeah, it's like, how are we going to get out of this one? Man, did I just talk or what? (laughs) (laughs) This is a (laughs) lot (laughs) of things. Hey, something really... Something just occurred to me, and I may just be blowing smoke from somewhere right now, but 
at the very beginning of the episode, the master looks in the, the camera and says, what we need is a doctor. Mm. What if the master's in over his head like he always is, but he can't really come out and say, hey, I need your help. <laughs> but you know, if, if wife is one of the Tokla fame, if one is, uh, you know, she's keeping an eye on him, making sure that he's doing what he's supposed to do, because they keep asking him if it's going to be ready soon. Right. I, 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 yeah, because the the master's put himself in this kind of position before where he's literally at the mercy of some other alien race that he thought he could double-cross or win over um, and ends up being in a lot deeper than he can possibly get out of. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to um, what Ian was saying about the Master and um, being different um, now than whereas um, Anley's interpretation of the Master was, was an echo of Delgado's and the way I always saw it was um, was and this was never really you know blatantly explained in the series but I just took it to be that uh, Roger Delgado's Master was like the 12th in, uh, after the 12th regeneration he had already used up his regeneration cycles and when we see him in the Deadly Assassin that was the leftover remains of what Delgado's Master was and um, and then he stole the body and, and you know, and keep our trocking and um, giving everything away for those that aren't familiar with the past history, but so be it. Uh, but I always saw it as essentially the same incarnation of the Master, just in a new body and, and maybe slightly tweaked a bit his personality. I didn't really see it as a different regeneration because he lost his ability to regenerate. Now we see the Master regenerating, and um, John Sims' Master is... Some is is really a, a, just like the doctor's regeneration brings on a different set of personality traits. Uh, I see this as the same thing as a, a, and and perhaps that whole drum thing in his head. Now he's just completely you know losing it and you know his his insanity is on that much further along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't have a problem with it's just having grown up with uh, Delgado to Ainley. Um, type master, it's 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 taking a little more of an of an adjustment. But I'm mm-hmm. glad that they're I'm glad they're doing it because there's kids out there who are like, well, he regenerated, you know, and you know that they're, they're not going to be quite so familiar with the, you know, Delgado and Ainley. Um And I don't want to mention the other the other actors who have played the master um, because uh, Ken might throw something at me. <laughs> and you're not talking about Jeffrey Breezes. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you, guys. All right. And we're going to go to our next caller. It's um, six, uh, six Swipe UK. Hello? Hello. Hello? Hi. Yes. Um, I'm surprised what's happened uh, this time arranged with the sound of drums. And uh, it's all going to kick off next week. And I'm thinking to myself, how's Earth going to get out of this one? Mm-hmm. So, I just uh, I just want to make a point here. On the bit where the Doctor was talking on the phone to the Master, did he say Martha or Martha? You know, it, it's... <laughs> I, you know, when I first watched it, and even on the second viewing, it still sounds like he says Martha, but I guess he said Master, but it, it just sounded like Martha to me. <laughs> Yeah, and he says, I'm so glad you're using my name. Well, you chose it, so I'm 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 sure it's Master, but it just sounded very much like Martha. 
Yeah, I have to take a look and back out that one carefully. So, but to me, with this, how the hell Earth's going to get out of this one? I don't know. <laughs> Tune in next week. Yeah, I know, but I saw the preview to next week, and what the hell is going on? <laughs> I just don't know. But um, as Ken said earlier about, was it anything could turn up at the end? Can you repeat that again? What, what, yeah. What Ken said earlier, up, what? About something turning up at the end or something. I don't know who said it. But it's like, Saint's going to turn up at the end and really don't want it to turn. Sorry. But, I don't know, but, um, I just want to see what's going to happen and how it's going to go into Series 4 next week. So, mm. Well, we'll have to wait for next week. It's um, you know, we we got little tidbits in the trailer, and not, not much was given away, but um, just enough That's to good. pique our curiosity. And we'll yeah. find out next next week. I mean, it's yeah, a lot just, for grabs. Yeah, but I just want to know: are they going to do like a surprise at the ending, like they did with the Runaway Bride? Well, we or won't know until we see. <laughs> yeah, that that's what I'm going to be surprised about. But anyway, I've got to go now. So, so uh, uh, how would you how would you rate this? What um, I, I I keep on forgetting to ask our callers their tallest okay. groans. Okay. All right, I'll give it four and a half tallest groans. Okay, thanks. Okay, I'll see you later. All right, thank you so much, and and thank you, Dave, for reminding me about that. All right, our last caller is none other than uh, I was going to say professor, but um, it's Dr. Yana. Hey Hello there. Welcome to the, to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to finally get to join in. I, I kind of joined in a little late in the game. I apologize. So I, I, hope okay. I'm not, I hope I'm not repeating myself for anything that might have been said. Um, I'd like to know, has, any, has anybody discussed um, um, Mrs. Saxon about being a Ronnie? And um, are we going to find out? More about how she uh, came to came to be in all this. Um, my, my, my next thing is the Valiant kind of reminded me a little bit of Stargate. I, I just it had a little bit of a Stargate influence there, but at the same time, um, it had a nice little nostalgia to it because it reminded me of Cloudbase from Captain Scarlet. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with John Sim, I, I'd say he's really growing on me because you have a point about the personalities changing with regenerations. But and to step back a bit, I, I, I have to say with um, Utopia, uh, I thought Jacoby really nailed it and brought in a little bit of Delgado and a little bit of Ainley uh, to his master. And um, like the previous call, I was kind of like punching the air, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. It just—it's a shame that it was all so brief because you know most of that episode he wasn't the master. He was, yeah. as your namesakes yeah. is, you know, Professor Yana. So uh, it was only a, a few minutes towards the end that we got to see him really as the master himself. Right, right. Um, another thing I'd like to bring up is um, if anybody was caught on to, I, I'd like to know how the face of Bo played into knowing about the master. Um, and I, I was kind of waiting for the master to kind of bring that up when, 
when he discussed with uh, with with the doctor about his uh, running away. Well, in Utopia, the there Professor Yana says that he was found in the Silver Devastation, and that's where we hear in the second episode, uh, the end of the world, where the face of Bo is from. So there was that connection there, but as far as how detailed they're going to go, I don't know. Okay. Because I, I did pick up on New Earth. Um, I, I kind of had this little inkling at the back of my mind that we were going to see a possibility of the Master returning. I don't know if anybody else had picked up on that as well. What was that again? I'm sorry. Um, in the episode New Earth, mm-hmm. um, and when the face of Bo was talking to the Doctor about about meeting him again, I... There was something in that uh, conversation they had that gave me an inkling that the master would be returning, but it was just at the back of my mind. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. And I also did a double take on uh, on Doctor saying Martha, master. I had to rewind that for a second. Yeah, I, uh, even on the second view, it still sounds like Martha, but I don't know. <laughs> um, my last thing I want to say is with uh, with the laser screwdriver. Um, I, I I don't know. It's just I. It's, I, I'm afraid, I'm, I have to say, I want, I want a laser screwdriver now. I got the sonic screwdriver, now I want a laser screwdriver. <laughs> you know? Uh, I'm a right. sucker for deep toys. Character so, options? Or um, who, who did the first sonic <laughs> screwdriver? Are no, I don't know if we have the options or not. Get on the ball. I have mine right here, just, just in case. My um, <laughs> truck to eat sonic screwdriver. Um, <laughs> okay. One final point. Uh, one more point I wanted to make is uh, I, I really loved the Torchwood continuity. I, I, I'm a little confused as to why he's in his um, his Civil War garb, so to speak, or his World War II garb. I'm sorry. Um, that that kind of threw me off a little bit. Well, Captain Jack, isn't that what he was wearing during Correct. the Torchwood series? Right. Was he wearing this that? This picks up at the end of Torchwood. Oh, okay. So I'm still going through the rest of my Torchwood episodes. Oh, okay. All right. Um, uh, then I just I, gave something away. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, no. It's, it, I've been trying to catch up on them, but um, at the risk of sounding like a broken record here, I, I think, I think Martha, Martha has done very well from, from episode one. She's got me, she got me hooked. And I, I, I can't wait to see what kind of uh, part she's going to play in, in this, uh, um, this struggle. Yeah, I, I, I think they handled the character of Martha's very, very well in this series, even and to the extent of her family as well, where it wasn't overbearing. The family kind of played their parts where they needed to be played, and it wasn't, you know, every other episode where, you know, seeing his her mom and she's not calling her mom every every other episode. So, it it seemed a little bit more um, balanced. Exactly. Yeah, we weren't constantly going back to uh, like. Uh, um uh, Rose's mom in every other episode. And, uh, and he didn't have the luggage of a Mickey to kind of, you know, work out. Right, exactly. So, all in all, and, and with the possibility that maybe maybe we'll see a volume two of uh, uh, Murray Gold's uh, soundtrack, um, I'm going to give this, uh, I'm going to give it four and a half TARDIS runs. Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much, um, Dr. Yana. <laughs> Hey, thanks for letting me join in, everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. You're quite welcome.
Well, that, I think um, we're going to close out by going around and giving our own Tartarus groans. And um, I don't know who wants to lead the pack. Should, um, I guess we'll continue with um, the way the order we were going, going, going back to Ken. Ken, you still with us? I am. So how would you conclude and rate this episode? I'm going to give it uh, three and a half TARDIS groans, but under condition that um, I can change that review next week after I see the finale, if, this, if next week sews this all together. But um, I think there are, it, it's laced with great performances and wonderful music and um, some really great moments, but as a story goes, uh, it has to be viewed in the context of either you know, the, the full three-part or even the two-part finale. Okay, very good. And uh, and I'm also curious now with this whole TARDIS being used as the Valiant and um, the Master coming back, I'm wondering if Russell's going to strand the Doctor on Earth a la the Pertwee years um, because we know Russell is really into Earthbound stories. You think? Or, or, or maybe even the novels where it took 100 years for the Doctor to find the TARDIS. Uh, I hope it take a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, Taras, what was your uh, final summary? I don't. I know you don't give Tardis Groans ratings, so I won't ask yeah, you Yeah, I thought that. this, as a story, was between average and good, but there were a lot of good character moments, a lot of good performances that uh, it was enjoyable to watch, but it was always something in the back of my head going, well, what's actually going on here? Because it really didn't sound other than we had the trap laid for the doctor and it being sprung. We really didn't have an inkling of what is it that the master's really doing here. Mm-hmm. Other than taking over everything. Yeah. There seems to be something behind that that there really wasn't any indication of exactly what it was. Yeah, well. Any other thoughts? Uh, Other than what we've discussed, I think that basically covers it. All right. I could add in uh, that I may be a dissenting voice in that I really didn't like the Gallifrey stuff in this one. I think that pulls it down a full star for me. Really? Now, why is that? I, I really, really hate the collar stuff. As far as I'm concerned, and uh, you know, that's the collars are the thing that makes them no, 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 no. stunning. No, 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 no. <laughs> but that also recalls that whole excess of the 1980s, and everything about that was terrible. Um, Gallifrey, I just well, hate having that, to see that started it. in the 70s, though. The whole, you know, the it started. It started. It, yeah, it started at Deadly Assassin. Exactly right. You know, but still. I, I don't I don't agree with that whole divergence from see to me Gallifrey has two histories and one of them starts at um, uh, the War Games and it goes through three Doctors and it, it comes to Genesis of the Daleks and that's about where it stops and then you have this other thing that's going on with the the high collars and all that crap that starts with Deadly, uh, well, sort of Deadly Assassin, but at least in Deadly Assassin, there's there's still some of the old Gallifrey left behind. Really, Invasion of Time is where that stuff starts, and is 
all through the J&T era. And I just, I think that all that stuff just, the Gallifrey of the 80s is what we pretty much saw here. And it's just not a very grand Gallifrey. It's not, I, I don't know, it somehow brought it down in my eyes to actually see it again. I wasn't, I wasn't happy to have it canonized. I would have thought that we would have tried for something better, something different. I don't know. Well, it's, it's just one, I, you know, it's still a whole planet to explore. And, you know, mm. Yeah, I know. It, you can't just, judge Earth by New York City or, um, or for that matter, um, Tokyo or whatever. You, you know, it's... it's yeah, just, I guess. Or the Vatican, if we want to go back to um, the whole Catholic, um, you know, um, duality there. Yeah. Oh, but somebody mentioned uh, the Stargate look of the Valiant, but didn't the uh, that Vortex thing look like a Stargate? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where they got that from. Well, I, I thought it was it looked like the the time vortex to me. You know that 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 you we you know we see the the TARDIS traveling in. Right, but it had this stone like oh, ring it around it. It was an around thing. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that that seems to be a you know sort of a re, you know, sliders had this round shape thing and um, Farscape was the time tunnels or not time tunnels was worm wormholes and. Well, I don't know. Round is just a universal organic shape. All right, well, um, Wes, we haven't heard from you. I, I liked it overall. I would say that, it's, you know, right now in the middle of the storyline, it's kind of hard to give a TARDIS rating, but if I had to, I'd say a three and a half for story and a four for the fact that the master likes jelly babies. <laughs> okay. That's... Hmm. Darth, I don't think we gave you gave your Tardis Grown ratings. Yeah, I don't know that I really have one to give. Um, it, we are okay. definitely well, in the middle of something, and so uh, I don't know that. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a three if I really had to give it something, but I think that that's all going to be switched around by what happens in the next episode. I'm definitely on hold seeing what happens next time around. Well, of course, uh, you have the ability next week to revise or reinstate your Tardis Grown ratings for this episode after seeing next week's, and then you can give an overall Tardis Grown to the whole story, you know, uh, of both parts. Right. Or three parts. All right, well, um, we, unfortunately, we lost Joey. Joey had to run in the middle of the recording, and um, so we can't get his take on it. So, obviously, we'll have to skip his um, Tardis Grown ratings. Uh, as for myself, I think I'm the, I'm gonna have to break away from the pack from everyone here. Um, I'm giving it a five out of five. In fact, I, I would even give it higher. I, I was on the edge of my seat throughout the whole episode. I really enjoyed the, um, the pacing and um, the, what was being revealed slowly throughout the episode. I, I found it more thrilling than uh, last series episode twelve, Army of Ghosts. I, I would even say it's um, Avon calling. I would even say that. <laughs> that um, it's, it, I, I found it better than Bad Wolf. I just, um, to me, I, this really got me wrapped up. And um, I don't know about next week's, because uh, so far what I saw from the coming attractions for next week's, it just didn't grab me as much. But you know, I'm going to be open-minded and see what happens next week. But I thought that also I, I thought the direction here and the composition of the shots 
were very interesting as well. And um, and I already commented about Murray Gold's work in this story. So I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this episode. I mean, it's not without faults. Um, you know, and I think we touched upon some of it here and the whole, you know, but I think some of that had to do with economics and um, the whole Torchwood thing about, rap, you know, sending them off on a wild goose chase and getting them out of the way. It would have been nice if there was some crossover characters, not maybe not all of them, but maybe Gwen or, um, you know, one or two other ca- characters from Torchwood, you know, maybe the, the Master would have captured them as well. And uh, But, you know, you, that would be a whole other Just the way those say. characters behave, I don't think you could put them on a children's show. Well, this... Sh- you, they can have them in the background, or I mean, they, they don't have to. They, they don't have to be foul mouths in this episode. <laughs> they could tail there, there, and they don't have to be humping everything in sight either. <laughs> Just for this one episode. Louis, uh, I so, think we have somebody that raised their hand. Oh, we have another person in in the queue. Well, I think again. somebody returning, maybe. Yes, it's Ian. So we're, we're going to get Ian's um, take on this. This is. You have uh, another comment to make, Ian? Uh, y- yes. Um, uh, first of all, wow, that's a, a high rating from from Lewis. It certainly <laughs> is. I-, um, I, 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 I guess I'd have to agree with the others. It's like a, I'd probably put it like a three and a half on, uh, until next, you know, the the final episode. Um, one of the things I wanted to go back on uh, that I forgot in my endless spiel before. <laughs> was um, the finally killing the storyline of the master being the doctor's brother. Bravo well, to uh, Russell T. Davies for getting rid of that idea. I, I, I like the way they handled that, and it wasn't made a big deal of it. It was sort of leading... It, it was, it, it, I thought it was interesting because I felt it was leading in that direction. It seemed like everything up to that point was heading in that direction. Then all of a sudden, um, you know, I, I think with Captain Jack... Or, or was Martha said I you know I thought this was I think it was Martha said um, I thought you were going to say that you know he's your secret brother or something like that and the doctor just writes it off saying uh, what do you, I think you're watching too much TV or something along those lines and I, I thought that was handled very well in this in this story yeah yeah I, they didn't focus too much on it just this like oh, you've been watching soap operas too much you know um, oh, I forgot what my other point was. Um, Oh. Well, while you think about that, one thing we okay. didn't mention is how uh, the master seems to like strange human children's programs. Delgado mm-hmm. watching the Clangers, and now John <laughs> oh, yeah. watching the Teletubbies. Oh yeah, that was that was that was classic. <laughs> uh, some of the people on Internet Movie Database, which is my guilty pleasure of of watching those Who fans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, they were commenting on that, and then people were, you know, longtime fans were bringing up, well, he did it in the Clangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, well, it's like, some consistency it, there. Yeah. Um, I remember my other point. It was uh, to do with uh, the, the Torchwood characters, and I think it was actually a wise move not to bring any of those in, because while people who watch Doctor Who, especially the younger viewers, are familiar with Captain Jack, and have probably heard that he moved. He has the spin-off show that they're not allowed to watch. Bringing in those other characters, a, it would have crowded the story by having, you know, these other people who they're not aware of in, um, 
uh, you know, then there's these kids who are going, well, why can't I watch that show? They were in Doctor Who, you know. So keeping that that separate, I think, was was probably a a, a wise plan. And it, it just seems I I don't mind that they did that. I, I just you know setting them off on a wild goose chase just seems a bit convenient. But I guess what else are you gonna do? Another another thing I wanted to raise was I I had sworn, but I could be wrong, that I saw some um, on the set or on location photographs. And one of them, um, Gwen was in, so they could make an appearance at the very end of the episode. I don't know where, you know, Jack goes back with, uh, goes back to Torchwood. But then again, with with uh, John Barrowman's name appearing in the credits, he he may be around for a little bit longer. I don't know. We'll see next but, week. Well, yeah, because we're dealing with time, it it you know it is very possible he could be you know in partway through season four. And be returned to you know Torchwood well, without them even missing also, him. He was also in the credits towards the end of series one, so it's probably just a replay of that. Right. All right. Well, thanks for your additional comments, Ian. Not a problem. Anyone Thank else you. had any other conclusions before we wrap up the show? A prediction that the master's wife turns out to be Romana. <laughs> Well, on that note, I think we will end the show. <laughs> it's it's really canine. And... All right. So uh, thanks again for everyone's participation. We had a lot of calls today, a lot of listeners. The show went on um, a bit longer than our usual running time for our live show. And um, so I appreciate everyone sticking with us. And um, we're going to return next week, uh, Sunday, at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time for the conclusion of um, the Series 3 and uh, Last of the Time Lords. And we'll see what that's all about. I don't know. The title sounds a little scary now. But, you know, <laughs> whatever happens, it's science fiction. And um, there's always, when there's a will, there's a beneficiary. So on that note, Take care, everyone. Cheers. See you next Bye, week. Bye, Lewis and all. Thank you, guys. Thank you for letting me be here. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan-run Gallifreyanembassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net.